It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. And we are back with another episode of On The Clock. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. This is a daily draft show, and today we have a very familiar guest with us. This is Stephen O'Rourke. He is my co-host on the show, Take Talk, so I'm sure many of you have heard this man's beautiful voice. Stephen, how are you? Yo, what's up? It's weird <laughs> being the guest, I gotta admit. Yeah, man. I, this is technically my first, I think, my first guest spot on a podcast. Really? So you went yeah. from no guest spots to just hosting a podcast? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I uh, just went for it right away. I actually <laughs> got called out on Twitter. Somebody today was like, oh, so they give anybody a podcast, huh? And I was like, yeah, you know it. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. <laughs> to be fair, you know, you did shoot your shot. Shoot or shoot. When it came to TikTok, they, you know, you had heard that I was I was going to be doing a pod, and I was in need of a, a co-host, and you you went straight to upper management and said, "Hey, I, I can be Brett's co-host," and we're already friends, so it makes sense. Yeah, shoot your shot. Like, it's all that's what it's all about. Yeah. Literally, my entire job in this space has literally been about shooting my shot. <laughs> from that's DMing, true. From DMing you on Twitter to telling Joe. Hey, what about us doing a? How about me and Brett do a podcast? And all it was all about taking your shot, which is what the draft is all about: is taking oh, your shot on a guy. Steve's gonna hit the segues for me. I don't even have to do it. This is Boom. great. <laughs> great, yeah. So this is a daily draft podcast. So I'm I'm sure you you've heard the spiel already, but we do have a draft guide coming out on FantasyPoints.com. It's gonna be pretty spectacular. I'm diving into at least 150 guys. My internal goal is 200, although there is no pressure from upper management to hit the full 200, but I'm, I'm going for it. We're not just doing skill players. I know this is technically a fantasy company, so the general assumption is that we're doing QBs, running backs, receivers, and tight ends, but we're going the full nine yards. I'm getting into the O-linemen, getting into all the guys on the defensive side of the ball. In fact, today, Steve and I are going to talk about two defensive players. So the defensive guys make their debut today on the show Steve, let's um, let's talk. I, I gave you the same format I've been given the other guys. Yes. I need a guy that, that you're higher on than most, a guy you're lower on, on than most, and then a guy we can fight about a little bit. So without further ado, let's jump in. Texas running back Roshan Johnson. This is a guy you love. You're higher on him than, than consensus, and consensus seems to be starting to turn the corner too. I think you're seeing him creep up, creep up a little bit on the on the consensus draft boards. But lay it on me, Steve. What do you see in Roshan that you love? I see a guy that if Bijan Robinson doesn't exist, we're talking about him in a completely different light. This guy is big. He's athletic. He can make plays. He has good vision. He's good out of the backfield. His pass pro is okay. He's not good gonna he's not like the biggest or he is the biggest running back he's like 6'3 220 but he's not really like a lay the lumber pass pro guy he's more of a cut and just try to take out your legs type of pass pro guy but that's okay but overall I mean 
without Bijan in the backfield, he would have dominated in that te- in the Texas offense. He is a great pass catcher. He can move in space in a fantastic way. He is surprisingly agile for how big of a guy he is. I mean, like you see, like you throw on his film, you see a guy like he has like five or six hurdles over defenders in the open field. Like for a guy 6'3", 220, like we haven't really seen a running back that big since Derrick Henry. But again, he has the agility of a smaller guy. And I think that offers a lot to offenses. It's a, you know, he's a guy that can step in and be a three down back for you. He fits perfect into a committee. He came from a committee. Like he doesn't have that much usage on his legs, but he comes from a pro, like more of a pro style offense with, with Sarkeesian. And um, I just really like the way he plays. And I think that he can step into an NFL backfield and contribute like day one. Like I would be totally comfortable taking a round two flyer on this guy. Because I think he's a like I said, I think he's a guy that comes in and produces right away. He has he has breakaway speed, which again, for a guy that big, you don't see that often in the running back position. And he has good vision at the hole. He doesn't really lollygag. He hits the hole hard. You see him consistently trucking guys in the hole, getting the extra yard. He reminds me of Jamal Williams in that aspect of his running where it's just get the ball downhill right now. And I think that works well in a lot of offenses these days with a lot of zone concepts being used, you know, with his vision and his ability to take on contact. I think he brings a lot to an offense. I think he can really upgrade the running back position or at least add a new flavor to a backfield that may not have a guy that can go all three downs. Yes, Steve, in, in looking at my report I wrote on him, the words I used to describe his downhill style was deliberate and intentional. I used those words several times in my write-up with him. Uh, and I think you see that. He's an intentional runner. He runs with um, intensity. He runs with bad intentions. Yes. Uh, I think I think he checks all those boxes. Yes. Check this out, though. So he was technically a quarterback recruit coming into Texas. A lot of people don't know that I he didn't really play that. any quarterback, but I, he immediately moved to running back. Yes. And as a freshman, he carried the ball 123 times for 649 yards and seven touchdowns, caught the ball another 23 times for 160 yards and another touchdown. And he kind of started to take over that backfield as the season went on. And then imagine being Roshan in comes Bijan year the two, one recru- the number one running back recruit in the nation. Yeah. Picture yeah. school. Kudos to Roshan for sticking it out, though. Didn't transfer. He, that is uh, true because it happened yeah. right at the peak of the beginning of the transfer portal. Had every, I mean, he could have had any the opportunity. COVID year was when Bijan started. Yeah, any, yeah. any college in the country would have welcomed him onto their team. Oh, and yeah. he could have, he could have easily been a lead back wherever he went. But I think there's value again. There's value in the fact that. He did split time for a little bit. That's just less usage on the legs, which is what we talk about constantly with running backs. I mean, it's all about like, how do you, how do you correctly bring a guy into his second contract? Well, with Roshan right now, he gets you, uh, he's going to give you like four or five good years from the beginning. Oh, and he's going to he's going to be an added piece. And uh, like, again, he just, he does it in every facet. And yep. he plays with such intensity that 
like the pass pro issues that I have with him, like I think he can fix that. Like with if you just coach him up to deliver a pass pro block the way he runs into a hole, I think you can get him there. But yep. just overall, I like his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. I think that's such a big element for what you can be as a running back in the NFL nowadays is adding that element to the passing game just because of so much of how we're moving toward more of a passing offenses and the running game is more used in supplement to the passing game than it is, you know, the other way around nowadays. I think that having him and being able to use him on any down, it just, it, like I said, it opens up your offense a lot more. And I love his, in his, I couldn't get, I could not get over his breakaway speed in the open field for how big he was. He looks like he's a, he's a freight train. I don't know many DBs that are going to want to take him head on. No. And you see, you see business decisions already being made with him. Um, I, a couple of cool stats to throw at you Uh, over the last two seasons, totaling nearly 200 carries. He's averaging six yards a pop. Pretty freaking impressive for a power five running back. Also, he is the only running back in this draft class, Steve, that averages more yards after contact per carry per PFF than B. John Robinson. The only one in the class that, that averages more than B. John. He averages four and a half yards after contact per carry. And that's like, that's where you make a living in the NFL. Yeah, that's the starting point for my scoring system. It's like I have three main traits that I look at with running backs, and I've talked about it already with a couple of the guys we've done, but vision, ability to create beyond your blockers are the two most important ones. Um, I, you know, so that's a starting point for me, the fact that he he does so well. I do – the one concern I have with him, Steve, I don't know if you see this, is I I think – a lot of people touting Roshan are missing. They don't understand the difference between vision and lateral agility. So I think yeah. Roshan, he he has really good vision. So when he sees early penetration or some type of you know run fit coming, he wasn't expecting he, that vision allows allows him to diagnose and, and adjust quickly. Yes, I do think he lacks some lateral ability in the open field, though. Um, he doesn't. He, he's got insane contact balance, so, so it doesn't really matter. But he's yeah. just—he's not going to juke a lot of guys out. He's usually just going to absorb contact, play through that contact, and and he'll break tackles that way. Yeah, know? and I think that's just—I think that's just the way it is with a guy that big. Like he's like you said, he's not a guy that's going to make a make a defender miss in a one by one box. That's not yeah. his game. But he doesn't have to be that because, like you said, he gets downhill fast enough and he initiates contact. So. Nine times out of ten, when you watch his runs, he's falling forward. Like he's meeting yep. his, def- he's meeting the defender. The defender's not meeting him, and like again, that's just how you make your living in the NFL. That's how running backs become good: is being able to take on hits at the second level, being able to, like you said, get away from contact in whatever way that is. Like not everybody has to be the shifty. You know, Saquon Barkley can make. 10 cuts in two yards and make eight guys miss at that time. That's not Roshan's game. And if you're expecting him to be that, then yeah, you're going to, he's going to fail. But if you just get him in a downhill system and just, you know, work on getting him to the second level, you're going to see the yards after contact. You're going to see the yards per carry 
materialize into what you're looking for from him. For sure. What, um, so we're, since you're higher on him than most, where are you comfortable taking him in this year's draft? I'm comfortable. Like I said, I'm comfortable with a two. I'm comfortable with him in the second okay. round, high second round, mid second round. I like right now he's probably top of the third back end, like back end second. I think most I, people have him like as an early day three guy. Oh, is he that low now? Yeah. I or think so. has he been that I think, low? I think he thinks, I think he's starting to come up a little bit, but um, yeah, I've seen I, some people with late day two grades, but I think the consensus is like 115th to 120th overall. Yeah, I think I'm comfortable taking him day two. I'm comfortable with him round three for sure. And if someone took a chance on him in round two, I don't. I wouldn't be mad about it. Okay. I just like there's so many. There are a ton of running backs in this class, and each guy kind of offers a little bit different aspect to their game. I just think that Roshan. I mean. Obviously, Bijan's at the top of the list, but I just think that Roshan has such a complete game, and he's worked and he's worked so well in every facet that it's just it, he integrates into any offense well, and that's why I feel comfortable. There's I don't I don't feel like there's a lot of learning curve for him. Yep, I dig it. All right, so before we move on, then give me a landing spot that you would really really love him at. Like I mean, team, honestly, specific. Honestly, I'd love him in Detroit. I I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I do like I like I everybody's touting Bijan saying going after go after a running back. Go after Roshan. Like I don't think they're like you and I are running backs don't matter, guys. And you know, it's the nature of that position, but I just think that he fits in well. And if you're you're not they're probably not gonna re-sign or extend DeAndre Swift. I think that ship has kind of sailed. This is a guy that steps in and I like he adds the element a little bit of what DeAndre Swift added, which is, you know, versatility. But he just he doesn't have as many health concerns as DeAndre Swift. He holds up well. And I think that 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 would be a good spot for him. I could like uh, the Eagles offense would be a ton of fun to have him in it again. Like the odds came out today for the Eagles to take Bijan Robinson, which how they're at the top of the list. I don't know. We're doing it again with <laughs> yeah. the Eagles running back. You, Chris, and I were talking about it, but like Bijan or not, sorry, Roshan's a guy that like, why not go get him? Why would you waste the draft capital on Bijan when you can get somebody who can contribute at a more high value position in, you know, with their first round picks, why not go after Roshan in day two and, you know, add that element to the, add a similar element to what Bijan adds just, you know, to a little bit lesser degree. I dig it. All right, we're going to get into uh, Clemson defensive interior player Brian Brisset. But before we do, I need to talk to you about underdog fantasy. The 2022 NFL season is over, but the fantasy football season never stops at underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy football. Right now, you can draft an underdog's The Big Board Tournament with $1 million in total prizes and two hundred k given to first place. Think you know which incoming rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023? If so, now is your chance to draft them at a value. All you have to do is join the big board, draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there are no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. And whoever has the highest scores at the end of the season wins. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, sign up with the promo code FANTASYPTS, and you will get your first deposit doubled. 
up to $100. If you sign up using the code fantasy points at underdog, you get a fantasy points standard subscription for just $5. That's insane value. That's underdog fantasy promo code fantasy PTS. And remember new underdog users who sign up with our code, get a fantasy point subscription for just five bucks. I still need to talk to whoever's doing that promo code. That's insane, but um, we'll, get, we'll get to him eventually. Love best ball, Steve. I'm in so many leagues, dynasty leagues. I can't set my lineup anymore. It's hard. I need either a partner. I'm just doing all best ball from here on out. No more dynasty. It gets so. taxing. Like yes. trying to manage dynasty along with your redraft. All of a sudden you're in 10 leagues. Like, yep. <laughs> do you have an hour to set aside every Sunday morning, Saturday evening to get ready and set your lineups? Like not everybody has that time. Best ball is the way to go. You yes. just draft and then you forget until whenever you feel like checking in. That's right. So make sure you sign up using the promo code FANTASYPTS at Underdog, and you will get a $100 first-time deposit matched. All right. Cool. Bills are paid. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, Clemson defensive <laughs> tackle Brian Brisset. Steve, this is – when you threw him out as a guy you want to talk about as someone you're not feeling – I I hear I hear you loud and clear. This is a guy who's maddening to do a write up on, because you yeah. see so many high level plays, but there's some stuff missing. So why don't you lay it on me? So start out with the good. He's a big, strong guy who's athletic in the middle, can move guards and get pressure on the quarterback. That's the name. Like that's the name of his game. He also contributes in the run game. The issues I have is that. There's the inconsistency. Yes. You can go a game where he makes three to four splash plays, tackles for loss, sack, he's splitting double teams. He's making like, you know, he's making his name heard. And then he'll go three games where he gets just driven back by double teams. He is just not like non existent. I mean, he doesn't really get blown back a ton. He's a very he has a he's strong base. He's got good legs. It's just that it's the inconsistency and it's the ability to just get lost at times and just be a non-factor. That and I understand that Clemson has a lot of athletes on their defensive line. They're very deep on the defensive line and on the defensive side. But if Brisset is a guy that's going to contribute in the NFL, he wasn't he wasn't an every down player as a defensive tackle. Like they would go they would go drives without putting him in the game. A lot of that was durability concerns, I think, but yeah. Which, again, is just another thing that I am (laughs) not a huge fan of in in a defensive tackle. I mean, it's a guy that's taking on hits all day, every day, every game. I don't want to have, I don't really want to worry about durability issues with a defensive tackle because that's something that adds up. And like we've seen it with guys before. Like to me, Nick Fairley comes to mind Mm -hmm. of a guy that like that had the, really elite athleticism who could make a lot of plays, but couldn't stay healthy and would lose, would get lost in the game at times. And I see that with Brisset a little bit. Again, I want to reiterate that his high level stuff is exactly that it's high level. And it's why we're talking, why people are talking about him and, you know, like he's been thrown up in the top 10. He's been down in the, you know, in the teens, he's been kind of all over the place. 
I just, I want to see it more consistently. I think he's going to test well athletically. He is an athletic yeah, guy. I think he's a freak. Yep. Yeah, he is. He is a freak. And there's so much, I mean, like that's so much to work with and you know, there's merit to that, but can he, can he marry that with consistency? Can he be a more consistent guy who, you know, again, he's a defensive tackle. He's not going to make every play. He's not going to have a hundred tackles on the season. That's not a realistic expectation, but I also don't want to lose him for three games, three games at a time where I don't hear his name. I don't see him show up on the stat sheet. I don't see him making any splash plays or even any just like average plays. Like there are legitimately games where like I, I it was um, Florida state. He got kind of beat up in that game this year. It was yep. a game where, you know, they started focusing a lot more double teams on him. They started focusing on him a little bit and you saw it mess with him. You saw him get kind of lazy with his feet. You saw him get a little bit tired and that just makes me nervous overall because it's just not a thing I want to see in the defensive tackle. Like I, when I see him at his highest, like it, it reminds me of Javon Hargrave. Like he can get upfield so fast and he can, he can, he has a pretty good arsenal of pass rush moves. He's got a good inside rip. He's got a good swim move. I just, again, it's, it's the consistency for me and it's the ability to, or the lack thereof, to consistently dominate and take over double teams and single, you know, single man blocking. Yeah. I kind of ache in his game to the game of golf. This is an analogy I've been using. It's like when I golf, Steve, it's mostly not pretty, but you know, on 18, every time I'm out there, I, I crush a 310 yard drive right down the middle. And I'm like, Oh my God, that was amazing. I, I want to play golf all the time Forever. because that shot felt so good. Yes. But the reality is, Steve, is I still turned in a scorecard of 101 and I suck. That's the reality. <laughs> but I think I'm good enough to golf several times a week and it's something I enjoy. Now, I'm not saying Brian Brisset sucks by any means, but <laughs> no. his game is so akin to that. Like when I watched his tape, dude, I think I watched his best game first. So I, I remember messaging you like, dude. Yeah. This guy can ball like absolute monster. And then the more, the more I watch of him, the more I was like, what are, what is happening? Like my biggest frustration with him, Steve is he's capable of making these high level plays. You mentioned the pass rush arsenal. It's definitely there. He's got some power in his hands too. Yeah. But for whatever reason, there's so many plays where he just pops straight up and then doesn't even fight to keep the uh, guard or tackles hands off his chest. He gives I'm up. I'm like, what are you doing? You see him give up. If like, if a guard gets inside hands on him into yeah. the chest, get, plays dead. Out. Plays dead. He's done. Yeah. Miles Murphy. Hopefully, you can crash in and make a play. Yeah. Like that. And that. Yeah, going against Florida State and yeah. Georgia Tech and the other Wake Forest, like that can work. You can get away with like taking that play off. You can get away with a little bit of lazy technique. When you go to the NFL, you don't really get the Wake Forest yeah. offensive line anymore. You're like it's guys that can and will get hands in the side inside on you like eight times out of ten. Yep. So where when are we going to see? Like hopefully we see the counter moves, and you'd like to see a little bit more arm chopping, a little bit more of the aggression when he does get out of position 
like that would that takes him to another level. I think like if he showed that consistently on film, he I don't think we're even talking about him right now. We're talking he's a consensus top ten. But there's a little there's some depth at the D tackle in the in day two. And it's just it worries me that again, it just worries me that a guy that played on such a talented defense on such a talented defensive line could just go to go at times where he would get lazy. He would let other people make like, let other people make plays, whether it's, you know, by, by another guy making a great play or he just gets, uh, you know, locked up. Yeah. I just, I, I do want to, sorry, go ahead. I do want to be careful calling it laziness. Cause it's, it yeah, could be, could be a technique issue where he just simply doesn't know how to deconstruct blocks. And the, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I should recant that. And laziness is not, I'm not here to judge a guy, whether a guy works hard or, you know, that's not on the table, it, but it is, it's just, it, it's the, you know, he, he loses technique. He can get a little bit like tight with his feet. He loses that, that base mm-hmm. that he can get and that helps him oh, drive yeah. that power and drive guys back. If he gets, out of position, you generally see those feet kind of get closer together. You see him shoot straight up, like you said, and all of a sudden he's locked in and a guy's shooting off the guard or center's butt through the hole. Yep. But again, there is the high level and it's the reason we're talking about him in the first round because at the same time, he has shown an elite ability to split double teams when he gets a good jump off the line. Agreed. Okay. So, I think consensus is that he's probably a top 25 player. Yeah, I think, yeah. You're you're lower on him than most. Where, where are you comfortable taking him at? Be like a late first. A late first? Okay, late so you're first. not, you're not too much lower. I'm not too much lower, but I just, as far as value, as far as value, I think there are like Siaki Ika. Like mm. there's guys in the second round that you can get. Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith. There are, there are guys in the second round that I think you can get that, have shown more consistency have shown more consistency without necessarily like the high level athleticism, but it's still more consistent and more, you know, more high level plays throughout the season. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I'm a bet on the traits guy in a lot of ways. I, I'm fine with end of the first round as well uh, because I do think there's enough to work with where, you get him the right coaching. He, if he can stay healthy with the right coaching, like you're looking at a really, really good value. But yeah, um, it also depends on the board shakes out. Like I'm a firm believer that a guy like Mozzie Smith is going to end up in the first round when it's all said and done. Uh, I don't think a lot of the people that have him as like a second, third round guy haven't really watched his tape yet. Yeah, I think once fair. he tests at the combine too, he's going to test as a freak. So I think Brise probably has more competition with the interior defensive players than we thought maybe he did a, a month ago or so. Yeah. Uh, I think Kansi yeah. another one. I think this guy probably jumps. He's jumping up most people's boards pretty quickly here. So uh, you actually, I, you mentioned him the other day and I did like just going through and watching him a little bit and then just looking at where he's at across the board. Kansi is, you know, I've seen the leap is there Yeah, and he's starting. He is starting to kind of contend with Brisset up there for like the second interior defensive lineman taken because Jalen Carter's going number one Yep, out of the, out of the group. All right, let's move on to another Clemson player. This is a guy we're allegedly going to fight about, and that's Clemson linebacker Trenton Simpson. Now, before we get into this, Steve, I do want to say I'm not actually sure there's an argument here because 
I know where you're going with this. You're betting on the traits with this guy. Yeah, uh, this is it's. I I'm looking at it from a consistency like, you know, what he like functionally what he's actually doing on the field versus what he's capable of doing. And I, I know if you're if you're betting everything on the line of what he's capable of doing, you're you're gonna love this guy. So I I understand. But without further ado, why don't we get into that discussion? It is funny because it's completely contradictory to what I just said about Brisset and like how the inconsistency <laughs> and all that. Well, no, so, kind of, kind of. Like, I think I think Simpson but... has consistency on tape, but my my biggest issue with him, and not to start with my issues, but is that a lot of his big plays were just they're schemed up for him whether they're, you know, dogs or he's walking up down, you know, down on the, the line of scrimmage and, and getting a blitz, like a free run at the quarterback. So a lot of his plays, the the things that make you go, ooh, wow, that was awesome. They're, he didn't really have to do anything. It was pretty much handed to him. Um, but again, just that, that – so I, I do think he's a more consistent player than Brise. I just think it was easier for him to be consistent because of what Clemson was doing with him. We've seen, we've seen them do this with other players, by the way whether it was Isaiah Simmons or yep. Tanner Muse. Yep. He fits that kind of uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Cormier role. Yep. Um, so, like, yeah. Anyways, just tell me what you like about the guy, and then we can get into a little more. Yeah, and so it really shouldn't come as a surprise that this is a guy I like for anybody that listens to the Take Talk podcast because he kind of fits True. what I want in my defense. If I'm drawing up a defense – He's the, he's the type of player that I want on my defense because I am a guy that leans toward wanting to play like a three safety, have a hybrid, like, you know, Michigan's Viper position, like a hybrid safety linebacker. And I think Simpson fits that position. I think he is a guy like, yes, he did have some stuff. That so got- you hated the way they used him this year then? Yes. Because in I don't- 2021, he was playing that role as like an overhang defender, more outside the box role. You yes. know, big safety slash small linebacker. This year, they balked him a little bit, and he was playing more stack roles, Will or Mike position. So, and that, so you, you didn't and that like was that. where I thought I saw it. Like the twenty twenty one tape, I enjoyed. I thought it was like yes. twenty twenty two two tape. I think he did get a little bit lost. I mean, linebacker is a complex position. It takes a lot of brain work. It takes a lot of mental processing. And there's this is no knock on Trent Simpson, but to go from what he was doing in 2021 to go to what he was doing in 2022, it takes kind of a big leap, like going from a guy who's not necessarily the center of the defense to a guy that is more of the center of the defense. Yeah. There's more responsibility with that. I, and I think it takes putting him in that, a stack linebacker position takes away from what his traits and what his abilities are. He's a He's I think like six, three, two thirty. He runs, he runs really well. And that's why I think you like, if you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to play linebacker. If you are, I think you're making a mistake. I think he's a guy that you want to line up over tight ends. I think he's a guy you want to walk down in the box. I think he's a guy that you want to have as like a nickel defender against heavier formations. He's a guy that can combat the two tight end one, like a, like two tight end personnel. I, that's where I want him used. And that's not what Clemson did last year, but the traits and the ability still showed up on tape. He still is quick into the backfield. He's pretty good at diagnosing plays. He, you know, playing in college, you see a lot more read option. He's disciplined. He knows where to attack. And I just think that like him coming off, 
him coming off the edge, so to say, or like, you know, out of the box is where his value is. Like I said, as a stack linebacker, I think that he would just get lost and be kind of another guy. It'd be a jag. Yeah. (laughs) And, but if you put him as like a Kyle Duggar role, I think he can excel in that role. I think he's a guy that can defend in the run game give you value there as well as being able to match up against bigger tight ends and even some like bigger slots that aren't, you know, necessarily as fast, but he has that ability. He has the coverage ability. I think it needs to be worked on a little bit, but the traits and, you know, the film is there to put him, to put him in that position. So immediately from here to talk, I I know why we're different on him because the role you're kind of, you, the role you see him in at the NFL level, it just simply doesn't really exist outside of the guy you mentioned, Kyle Duger. Jeremy Chin might be another one. Yeah, that's the so other I, guy I think of. So I see him as a guy you're going to have to transition him to that off-the-ball off linebacker role. I think all of that coverage value you want to extrapolate out of him mm-hmm. is in a traditional linebacker role. But he's he's so raw and underdeveloped on the – line of scrimmage rundown stuff that I think it's, there's going to be a massive learning curve. So that's why I'm lower on him is because I see the physical traits, but this is a guy that's going to take several years to get on the field in a full-time capacity. If he's an off the ball linebacker, I see maybe, you know, he, he, maybe as a rookie, you get him in that pass down specialist linebacker role. He's a, he's a coverage savant. And yeah, if you're playing man, he'll be able to run with tight ends. If you're playing zone, he can eat up a lot of space out there in the middle of the field. Yeah, that's attractive to me. So that's so maybe that's why I'm lower on him is because I see this big transitional curve. This is also Steve. This is a good cautionary tale for people who, anytime there is that bigger oversized safety, that 225 pound, like everyone's first instinct is, oh, make him an off the ball linebacker, he'll be great. Yes. No, the reality is a lot of the time that actually ruins the player and he sucks. And we saw it this year with Simpson. He was, for all intents and purposes, he was much worse this year than he was in 2021. Yes. And it was because they they did that basically. They moved it. So. um it's not always as easy as, oh, we'll just change this guy's position and he'll be great. Right. Um, so I do think it's going to take, you know, if he lands with the right team, Steve, I, I think you're right. I think maybe another team can maximize that value better than the role I see for him. It's just most teams aren't doing that. So like, it's true. Like, look what the Cardinals have done with Isaiah Simmons, for God's sakes. They they started, the, he was like an edge defender his first year. They moved yeah. him off the ball. Then he was playing deep safety. This year they got him at corner. They literally can't figure out what to do with the guy. I think because they played, haven't de- they haven't developed him eight yeah. positions this year, <laughs> right? And he has every year he's been in the league. And the, the reality is, it's the things he's lacking in is is mental discipline. It's acknowledging those run keys. It's acknowledging like trusting his eyes and what he sees. The closer he gets to the line of scrimmage, the slower the processing gets for him. Yeah, and it's reps. He hasn't played one thing enough to. And I think maybe this year he played his best football as like a slot corner. You yeah, know, like that might be his role, and I see you saying that with Simpson as well. I think Simpson might be a little heavy for that, but yeah, um, I don't see him as I don't really see him more as like I'd want him in as a, like a slot corner if they're flexing out a tight end or something like yeah. that. Like yeah, I, you know, I, if they're going to go into a traditional three wide set, I either want Simpson, like yeah, okay, maybe move him inside as an off ball linebacker and passing down stuff. Yeah, but. Other than that, like, I don't really want him in the box. Cause like you said, it takes a lot. And there is like the NFL game is faster. It's more difficult. 
And given that, like, I think there's like value in taking what you've seen and how he's played in college at these different positions. And again, extrapolating that to the NFL, there's a reason he didn't excel as an off ball linebacker this year. There's a reason they had to scheme things up. They knew he, they wanted him. They knew they needed him on the field. And they, they knew they could get his athleticism to do things, but it just, you know, they had, they moved things around. Yep. They wanted to do, they wanted to bring in different guys, put guys in different spots. And it, it led to him moving to in, like over, off the ball linebacker. And that's fine. If you're Clemson or you have, a wealth of talent compared to some of your counterparts that doesn't happen right. in the NFL. And I don't like, you just don't want to waste a guy with this type of athleticism, this type of talent and the tape that he's shown. I'd hate to see him wasted in that three to four year learning curve of trying to become a will Mike Sam off ball linebacker in like a four, three defense. Yep. All right, cool. So we got to get out of here, but really quickly, um, I think consensus on him is backed off quite a bit. He's yeah. probably more of a day two guy in most people's eyes now. That's kind of where I'm comfortable with him at mid day two. I'm willing to bet on the traits, but other than that, it's a little a little too rich for me. Where are you at with his draft value? I'm end of day one. End of day one, cool. End of day one, top of day two. And if he goes in there and nukes the combine, like some people think he's going to, he very well might get himself back into that conversation. So yeah. Like, I think a team that would be fun to see him play on would be, like, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are about to clean house. Have him go in there and just give him an opportunity to make plays. Yeah. And just kind of let him free. There's not going to be a lot of stake this season for him, and that's fine. And I think that's kind of the perfect place for him is kind of learn those kinks, work out the inefficiencies, the inconsistencies, and find a spot for him. I think a team like that would be good for him. I don't like, like you said, I there's see not Seattle a, drafting him. Seattle's another good one. They're weird. They always draft someone in the first round that they shouldn't. Who's got this crazy <laughs> athletic profile. Yeah. So I, I could see they're big, spark, they're big spark training guys. Yep. Over there in yep. Seattle. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the pod. For those listening, you can find Steve on Twitter at call me Steve. seven. That's at call me Steve 07. Steve, we enjoyed it very much. This is a daily draft show. We will be back Monday and we'll be doing an episode each day next week. Thank you so much for listening. And we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.